Hey there, and welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. My name is Benita Litvak, and I am so grateful you're here. I'm an ASHA certified speech language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well, around here, you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence-based practice and self-care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friends. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together. Do you see any clients for accent modification? Mira Ravel-Dieters joined me today to discuss this topic and how she provides caregiver training in her practice. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow along on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Today, I'm joined by Mira Ravel-Dieters, a board-certified SLP telepractice specialist and advanced certified autism specialist. Mira is also the owner of Super Speech Solutions, a concierge private practice that provides online speech therapy to Texans. She helps children and adults improve their speech and language skills so that they can communicate better. She has worked in a variety of settings, including hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, inpatient and outpatient rehabilitation clinics charter schools, and private practice the past 14 years. Mira specializes in accent modification and child language disorders with an emphasis on children who have autism. When she is not thinking about speech, Mira loves to spend time with her husband, Jeff, cook, watch Hallmark movies, and go on walks with their dog, Daisy. Hey, Mira. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. It took us a while to get this to happen, but we're finally making it work today. So I'm really glad and I'm excited to hear all about the things that you're here to talk about today. You have a lot of different areas of specialty, and I think it's a nice variety for our audience. But before we get started, let's paint a picture for our listeners. Tell us about who you are, what you do today and how you got there. Sure. So like you mentioned, my name is Mira. I've been an SLP for 14 years, which is really hard to believe. It has honestly gone by so fast. And I did just recently start my own company called Super Speech Solutions. It actually happened during the pandemic last year. And it's been interesting during the pandemic because I actually feel like I've used this time to do a lot of um, professional development. I got two ACE awards last year. Um, And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's literally just doing a lot of CEUs over a short period of time. And um, I also am going after the language certification that ASHA has. And for those of you who don't know, I know there's some SLPs who haven't heard of that either. ASHA certifies in four different areas. Child language is one of them. It's actually a three-phase process, and I'm currently working on phase two, and it's actually due next week. So I'm really excited about that. And... I mean, life is a journey and I feel like speech therapy is just really interesting. And like you mentioned, I've gotten to work in so many different areas. And I would say my number one love is pediatrics. I love, love working with kids and even in specializing working with kids with autism. Autism is a wide spectrum disorder. They're all so different, so unique. And I just love what I do. It's just such a great job and there's nothing else I would have 
wanted to do except be an SLP. That's amazing. And it is, it is awesome because you can do so many different things with our certification, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but let's start with accent modification. What is it for SLPs who maybe have heard a little bit about it, but don't know a lot about that area and how do SLPs treat it? Sure, so accent modification is a really interesting area. I feel like it's not necessarily something a lot of people know, number one, what it is, and number two, what people would seek out the service for. So it's an elective service that speech therapists can provide. And usually it's adults who are very high performing that will come seek out accent modification or accent reduction services because they feel like they're not being understood in the workplace or sometimes socially as well. So it's interesting because, you know, you work with people from all different parts of the world and their goal is to have their speech understood, to have a greater intelligibility of speech so that they can actually obtain a higher position in the workplace. And the very last person that I was working with right before COVID happened is a very high performing person. And his goal in working with me eventually was to actually get to a higher position in the workplace. And if I remember correctly, I think he was already in a vice presidential role and he felt like his accent or the way he was talking was actually a hindrance in terms of him going further up in the workplace in terms of climbing up the ladder at work. So it was really interesting to work with him. And in general, when I have worked with my accent modification clients, I love working with them because I learned a lot of different things. So this particular client I was working with uh, is in the field of oil and gas. And for those of us like myself who are speech therapists, that's nothing like speech therapy. I don't know anything about it. So I love that I got to learn about other careers and we would literally just read journals or we would read journal articles out of, I think there's a Harvard journal. And so I learned a lot about oil and gas and he would actually talk to me about presentations he was doing in other parts of the world because at that time travel was not an issue like it became later. So just something very interesting that I enjoy doing and one of the areas that I do specialize in. That's wonderful. It is really cool that, you know, that's part of our scope of practice. Uh -huh. And um, it's amazing that you were able to help him. Was he able to climb up in his position? You, you know, I'm not sure. I actually need to follow up with him. I'm sure that he probably did over time. I don't know because we haven't been in touch, but I do know that by the end of our time working together, he was making good progress and feeling more confident in his own skills. So that was very nice to hear from him. Yeah, that's great. So what is the goal for like accent modification? I'm sure it varies, but typically like, or in his case, like what is the goal for their treatment? So his goal really was to just be able to be understood better. So as I recall, I think we were shooting for maybe 90% accuracy to be, you know, in terms of speech intelligibility. And I think another goal in his case was to talk slower. And that was one of the things that I think had been brought by his attention brought to his attention by other people that he works with. And one thing that I want to mention that I think is amazing, his work actually would reimburse him for all of the speech therapy costs. So clearly this was a company who understood the importance of what of the work I was doing with him as a speech therapist for accent modification. Hmm, that's really interesting. Yeah, I know there are some companies that will reimburse it. So it's great that his did. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Um, all right, well, let's talk about language since you are working on, you know, the certification through ASHA, what are your, some, what are your go-to strategies for listing language? 
Well, I think for language, all of us, especially as speech therapists, we talk a mile a minute, we're trained to speak. I think one thing that we're all learning to do is to give more simple directions. So the rule of thumb that I've heard of and that I like to try using is to use only one more word than the child uses themselves verbally. So for example, if a child uses, let's say two words, then make sure the directions you're giving them are fairly simple. Use one to two words. Don't try to give them a lot of words and wonder why they haven't understood it. Sometimes it's just giving them too many words and therefore they don't understand. So trying to keep directions very simple is important. And I think as a parent, especially for any parents who are listening, it's, it could be important to modify the environment and at home. And so what I mean by that is, especially for young children, if they're able to access everything at their own level and they don't need to quote unquote communicate, then they won't. They have no motivation to communicate. So one of the best things you can do as a parent or caregiver is to put, thing out, to put things out of the child's reach. So for example, if you know that they like milk, you can put milk out of their range, you know, in the fridge. And so then they have to point for it or if they have to say milk, they have to communicate to get it. So they can't just open the fridge and pull it out themselves. And I'm exaggerating, young kids probably don't open the fridge and pull it out themselves. But for example, even putting toys they like out of their way, then they're not able to climb up and get it or to reach it. It's not within their actual grasp. Then they have to communicate to get it. So again, that can really, simple strategy like that can really encourage them to use their words. Yeah, I love that. Those are the communication temptations, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And then what about technology? Or is there a certain technology that you like to use to elicit language as well? Yeah, so I think there are definitely a lot of good iPad apps that are useful. There's some various ones out there, but one of the ones that I really like to use is one that's actually designed by a husband and wife who are both speech therapists. And that one is really cool. It's called Word Vault. It's all one word. But the, what, the main thing I like about that one is that you can work on a lot of different areas. So it has articulation on there, which is a fancy word for just saying speech sounds. There's also a lot of language stuff on there. So there's everything from antonyms to stories you can read. And the other thing I really like about the app is that you can actually, by one click of a button, send the, you know, send the story via email to the parent. And so let's say you just finished a story, but you want them to review it at home, or you want them to try a new story. It's really easy to just send that home as homework and it's electronic. They don't even have to worry about losing the paper. That's great. That's awesome. And that was Word Vault, you said? Word vault, uh huh. It's all one word. W O R D V A U L T. Great. Are there any others that you recommend? There are some other ones as well that I like for language. There's a whole series called the Buddy Bear series, and that's literally a bear called Buddy Bear. And what I like about that one is number one, I would say it's really good for autistic children or children who have autism because it has a bunch of questions and each one will give you a visual. So there's one called basic questions. So if I click on basic questions and I go to what questions, for example, it'll ask a question like, what is Buddy Bear doing? And it'll give you a choice of three different pictures with the word and you have to select the right one. So like I said, specifically it's tailored to children who are autistic, but I find it helpful even for children who are late talkers or children who are working on their comprehension, especially with 
questions, like I said, WH questions, yes, no questions, because they're offered choices. And so they can pick the right answer instead of having to, instead of it being a closed ended question where they're required to come up with a response. Cool. I'll have to check that one out. I don't, I don't know that I've heard of that one. And what about there's also one called fun with directions and more fun with directions. So those are two different apps that actually work on building comprehension in terms of following directions. So th those are both ones that I like to use as well. So it can be one step directions and they do become more complex. Some are two step directions. They're actually different levels. You can choose in both those apps. There's level one, level two, and level three. So I also like that it gets more complex. So you can use it in different ways for children of different ages working on comprehension. Okay, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Do you have any other ones that you wanna share or was that no, it? I think those are the main ones that I use. Okay, awesome. So I know you work with children with autism too and it's one of your areas of specialty as well. So what are your favorite go-to strategies for working with this population? One thing that I mentioned before that I think is really important is to give enough time for processing. So I like to use what I call the five second rule. So meaning you want to give the child at least five seconds to process what you've said in order to give them the time that they might need to think of the answer and respond if they haven't responded after five seconds. And of course you can repeat what you're saying. But I think that extra processing time is really key. And I see that time and time again for autistic children of different ages. Number two, I think using visuals can be really important. And so one thing that I really like to use with a lot of autistic children I work with is a token board. And so that actually, I have a simple one that I bought from Amazon, which was really expensive. But I like using those because it has the child work for a reward, but visually they can see how many different stickers they need. So the one I have, for example, has five stars. So at the beginning of the session, I'll talk to the child and I'll establish, okay, you're working towards getting five stars, but they have to pick the reward. So they might, for example, pick playing outside. They might pick going to a restaurant with their family. Whatever it is that they pick as the reward, it'll be at the very top. So it'll say something like, I'm working towards, and then fill in the blank, whatever they choose. And then they know that they have to work on getting all five stars, otherwise they don't get the reward that they're working for. So that I think is a really useful strategy and can really motivate children of all ages because they can see exactly what they need to do in order to get the reward. Okay, and I know that you, you provide teletherapy. Do you provide any in-person therapy right now? Yes, I do actually, that just recently changed. I just started actually at the beginning of June. I am doing in-home sessions now around the city of Houston and I all am also continuing to do teletherapy for anyone who's in Texas. Okay, so do you have any clients with autism that you see via teletherapy and how does that work? I'm, I'm guessing this is gonna lead into our next question which is about parent and caregiver training. Yes, I do have some that I have been seeing and because these were children that I had established seeing before the pandemic, I think their transition definitely to seeing me online because I'm a familiar person is easier than probably for a brand new person. Um, but I think teletherapy can be good, certainly as a means to use with autistic children. I don't think it's for every child out there. I think it generally tends to be better for older kids because they can be 
more independent with, you know, doing the session and then I'll talk to the mom or dad after they're done. So I definitely think it can be beneficial. I think it can be though a difficult transition for any child who has autism when you're going from doing something different, like, you know, let's say we're going from in-person to teletherapy or teletherapy, you know, teletherapy to in-person, vice versa. Those transitions, I think, again, another strategy would be to talk to the child about it as much as you can. So you help them anticipate the change. Because if you can do that ahead of time, it really helps them make the transition better. Without that, I find that it's very difficult for them to accept the change or to accept the transition. So talking to them about it can help. Sometimes speech therapists will use something called a social story where they actually will write out a story and provide a lot of pictures in the story. And they, like I said, talk about it a couple of times. You know, they anticipate the change coming up so that the child is able to then better make the change or transition. Okay, those are great suggestions. And then in terms of parent and caregiver training, what type of support do you provide and how do you recommend that be structured? So I think it's really important to always talk to a parent or caregiver at the end of every session. So what I love about being in private practice and certainly having my own company is that I can talk to the parent at the end of every session and I can say, hey, you know, for example, maybe we worked on the R sound today, or let's say we worked on, you know, using correct grammar and sentences. I, first of all, I tell them what we did, number one. But number two, I try to make it as functional as I can. So even if I'm running a session, which typically I run a session for half an hour, I try to tell the parent to work on whatever I'm working on with the child in a very functional context. So for younger children, that might be something they can work on bath time, older kids, maybe it's something they can work on in the car, or maybe they can work on language while they're watching a movie, while they're playing video games. I find that it can be very difficult for parents to sit down and have half an hour of time. That's a luxury nowadays, right? You know, that's assuming that everything goes well at home. Certainly they usually have other kids, things are crazy busy. So I find that doing functional therapy. And now that I'm going in the home and actually able to see the home environment, I'm liking that too. So like I said, I try to give functional, you know, homework so that they're able to successfully work on it and not feel like it has to be something separate altogether during the day that they have to do. Yeah, that makes sense. So can you give an example of a task you would give for like a daily routine? Sure. So Let's say that I'm working on having the child answer WH questions like who, what, when, why, where, how, those types of questions. So one thing that a child could do is, you know, let's say that they read a book every day or once a week, even with their parents, then they can read the same book with their parents, but the parent can work those questions into the story. So, you know, if it's a child who really likes reading and that's something routine that they're used to doing, they don't really think that they're quote unquote doing actual work. It's just more chatting about what did the boy do in the story? That's a great suggestion. Yeah. And, you know, assuming the child like does like reading, but I'm, I could see how you could incorporate it with other, you know, familial routines as well. So thank you for sharing sure. that. Sure. But another example I would say is especially video games. And I say that because largely I think most of the population that us speech therapists work with as boys. And I say video games because a lot of boys of all ages play video games. And one thing that was really interesting is one of the dads I'd worked with previously told me that he would actually 
play a video game with his son and pretend that he didn't know how to play it so that the son would have to give him the instructions and tell him what to do. So that's a very simple example of how you can get your child to work on language in a functional way where they're having fun and they don't even realize that you're actually working on language. That's a really good suggestion. It just gave me an idea. I have a client who loves Fortnite mm-hmm. and we've been using that in like conversational exchanges, but actually like having me play Fortnite <laughs> might be a good idea because <laughs> I really don't know how to play it. And so that yes. might be good for initiating conversation. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. I also think you can work on things sequentially that way too, right? Let's say you're working on sequencing with that child. Then they have to tell you first, you do this, then you do this. So you can also make it, you know, you can also work on other things in that context too. Yeah, no, that's a great suggestion. Thank you for tuning into this episode. It was made possible through our partnership with Presence Learning. With over 12 years of experience and 3 million teletherapy sessions delivered, Presence Learning is the leading provider of live online special education related services for pre-K through 12 nationwide. Presence Learning has an award-winning platform and a community of over 1,600 clinicians in its care network. They offer licensing support, 100% remote work, the ability to design your own schedule, and a supportive community that helps you reach more students while doing what you love. Check out the link in this episode description to learn more about Presence Learning. Well, this has been great. If people are interested in learning more, maybe have some questions following this episode, where can they find and connect with you? The best way to reach me, well, first of all, my website is superspeechsolutions.com. And what's nice about that is it's easy because it's the name of my company. And also all of my social media accounts have the same name. So my Facebook business page is Super Speech Solutions LLC. And that's also the same as my LinkedIn business page, Super Speech Solutions LLC. My Instagram account is Super Speech Solutions, all one word. And my email is my first name, Mira, M-E-E-R-A at superspeechsolutions.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mira. This was such a pleasure and I'm glad we were able to finally connect. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. All right. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you joined the SSU crew yet? By joining, you get access to the free goods section on our website, plus podcast updates, special event notifications, and therapy inspiration. You can sign up at bit.ly slash join SSU crew, all lowercase, or just find the link in this episode description. Also, don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode so that you can always refer back to it and share it on social media if you really love the topic. Take care and remember to always fill your speechy side cup first before you can pour into others.